Humans are storytellers. During our species time on Earth, countless myths have been born, endless legends spun. Folktales, fables, and fairy tales are among the most enduring examples of our capacity for storytelling. In the distant future, when humanity has established itself firmly as an interplanetary species, what tales might have emerged along the way? What stories might Martian settlers tell each other during long, cold nights on the Red Planet? What myths might arise as humans spread across the solar system and eventually reach for the stars? This is Space Age Folk Tales. Since times of old, the children of Earth have told tales of strange things lurking in the water. Stories of sea monsters abound in ancient Earth literature. Beasts ranging from serpents to giant sharks to creatures with dozens of enormous tentacles that could wrap around a ship and drag it down to its doom. It is fascinating and thrilling to gaze out upon murky waters and imagine that something gigantic and unknown is lurking somewhere beneath their surface. But Earth is not the only world with mysterious waters, so to speak. Titan, the largest moon of Saturn, has great lakes and rivers, seas and channels. Although many other worlds have vast underground oceans, Titan is the only object in the solar system besides Earth to have stable bodies of liquid on its surface. The great lakes and seas of Titan are not filled with water, though. On Titan, it is so cold that the rocks are made of water. The seas, on the other hand, are made of liquid methane and ethane. Beneath the haze of Titan's thick atmosphere, gazing out across those strange alien seas, is it any wonder that human colonists began to tell stories about what they thought might lurk in those depths? Today's episode is about the Beast of Kraken Mare, a giant creature said to lurk in the depths of the largest sea on Titan. This episode relates two sightings of the extraterrestrial cryptid from the northern city of Tolkien, which was situated quite close to the Mare. The first of these tales sparked an explosion in the popularity of the legend, and reported sightings persisted for many years after that. It's hard to believe that a massive living creature could lurk in the mare for so long, undetected by science and impervious to the freezing cold. But perhaps all those people were seeing something. Or perhaps, living for so long on that bizarre, frigid moon, simply played tricks on their minds. Our first story today comes from the year 2396. It was written by a scientist and disseminated on the solar web a few months after it was purported to have taken place. Although it garnered attention across the solar system, most of its popularity arose on Titan itself, especially in the city of Tolkien where it emerged. This is my Encounter with a Living Creature in Kraken Mare, 
Written by Sumantha Quaid. When I first set out for Kraken Mare, twilight had barely begun. My wingsuit carried me quite swiftly through the murky air, and I was in awe at seeing the great Mare from the sky as I rose above the hills and dunes. I had visited the Mare before, but only in rovers, and although I admit it was not particularly efficient to travel there via air, especially with a backpack full of scientific equipment strapped to my back, it provided a good workout, and a view I knew I could only get from above. Kraken Mare is the closest thing Titan has to one of Earth's vast, grand oceans that stretch from horizon to horizon, which I am unlikely to visit in person ever again. The hazy brownish yellow of the sky reflected on the surface of the Mare wasn't quite as pleasing as the gentle rolling blues of Earth's oceans, but it was still a sight more than worth seeing. After I had gotten aloft, it took me only a few minutes to reach my chosen research site, a small cove surrounded by boulders. I landed on the beach and folded my wingsuit up, then went about unpacking my equipment. I won't bore you too much with the details of what I was studying on that day. Rocks, weather conditions, the mare itself. I certainly had no expectation that anything unusual would happen. About an hour into taking temperature readings, gathering soil samples, and so on, my eye caught a disturbance on the lake. I thought for a moment that it might be a phenomenon known as magic islands. Bright patches that occasionally appear on the surface of Titan's mares, for those off-world who may be reading this. But I very quickly realized that what I was seeing was a tremendous froth that outweighed any magic island I had ever seen. I turned, mouth agape, and watched as the liquid turned and bubbled. It was immediately obvious to me that there was something enormous lurking just beneath the surface, moving about wildly but I could not imagine what it might be. I did not believe there were any submersibles out on the mare that day. And anyway, they would not have been large enough to cause such an uproar on the otherwise calm mare. I was almost unable to comprehend what I saw next. A long, shimmering thing, like a trunk or a tentacle of some sort, curled up out of the water. It was milky white and shone like crystal, although the reflection of the sky on its surface gave it a hint of muddled brown and orange, and it seemed ever so slightly translucent, but I could not quite tell whether or not that was merely my imagination. The end of the thing was flattened out to form a huge, flat surface, almost like a paddle. Several more of these strange, long objects followed, emerging from the depths. And then finally the bulk of the thing broke the surface of the mare. A large, ellipsoidal mass with the same milky white color and crystalline appearance. Six bulbous black orbs hung on the side facing me, and when I saw some of them move, I realized that they must be eyes, or whatever the equivalent was for such a strange creature. I stood frozen for a few moments, as the creature seemingly watched me, and then it began moving parallel to the shore, bringing down its paddles across the surface of the mare in huge sweeping motions. The way the creature bobbed across the methane looked almost as though a hot air balloon had landed in the mare, 
and was now being propelled along its surface. I half expected it to take off and fly away, but it did not. Instead, once it had traveled a short distance, perhaps 20 meters or so, it suddenly and unceremoniously began to sink beneath the surface once again, diving down and leaving a patch of churning methane in its wake, which quickly subsided, leaving only a few ripples in the glassy sea. I stood there for a moment, staring at the spot where it had vanished, and as I slowly began to wrap my mind around what I had just seen, I began to curse myself for not attempting to take a picture. To this day, I cannot explain why I didn't attempt to capture any evidence of the creature while it was in front of me. I know it makes my story sound less credible, but I believe my brain truly did not know how to process what it was observing. Seeing something so strange, so utterly unexpected, so incredibly improbable, froze me in my place. The idea that such a massive and active lifeform could exist in Kraken Mare undetected did not compute with my view of reality, and unfortunately, I lapsed in my duty as a scientist to record the phenomenon I observed. I have since returned to the Mare many times usually with a rover, a team, and much more equipment. But the beast has proven elusive, and I regret to say that I have never seen any sign of it again. Someday, if the funding can be acquired, I hope to launch a full expedition that can explore the depths of the mare exhaustively in search of the creature. But for now, my aim is to raise awareness of the creature's existence, and I implore the rest of the scientific community to investigate my claims as much as they are able. There is something lurking in Kraken Mare, something huge and unknown and alien, and if it were found, I believe it would be one of the greatest scientific discoveries in history. To pursue such a discovery is, in my mind, a worthy endeavor. Our second story from the shores of Kraken Mare appeared on the solar web in 2402. It comes from a man named Abed Latif, who worked as a rover mechanic in Tolkien. By all accounts, Latif was an intelligent man and excellent at his job, but he was not a scientist, so his story about the beast reads a bit differently. In addition, it appears that he was more interested than the author of our last story, in ensuring that his story was capable of reaching a wider audience beyond just the colonists of Titan. This is I Saw the Beast of Kraken Mare, and This is My Story, by Abed Latif. I would rather not give my identity away right now, but I work as a rover mechanic in the city of Tolkien near Titan's North Pole. Kraken Mare, the largest sea on Titan, is very close to the city, but before this encounter, I had seen it in person only once. From the skies, I stared out the window of the lander ferrying me to the surface. It entranced me with its beauty then, and when I found myself with time off work and permission to use a rover for recreation, I thought Kraken Mare would be a good place to spend a few hours. I was fond of beaches as a child on Earth, so I thought it would be interesting to explore a beach on a world so different from Earth. I was allowed to travel alone due to my extensive experience with rovers. At the time, I believed a bit of solitude would be good for me, but now I wish fervently that I had brought at least one other person with me, as they could now corroborate my story. 
The glittering expanse of Kraken Mare stretched wide before me as my rover rolled over hillocks and bumped over rocks. Titan is a gloomy place, with a perpetual dark orange haze hanging in the air. But it was twilight when I went, and for those who are unaware, twilight on Titan is brighter than daytime, so I was able to see the Mare quite well. I parked the rover some distance from the shoreline and disembarked in my spacesuit. Titan's atmosphere is much thicker than that of Earth, so moving around outside can feel a bit like pushing through water. I began to walk down the beach, enjoying the view of the mare, intent on exploring the coast a bit. I rarely get to venture far outside the city, so basic elements of the beach and surface filled me with childlike fascination. I overturned rocks, ran my hand across the surface of the mare, and even tried to build a sandcastle just to see if I could do it. It ended up looking more like a lump than a castle, but at least it was recognizably man-made. A few minutes into my romp, I was standing by the edge of the mare, which, for those who do not know, is full of liquid ethane, not water, with a few other things sprinkled in. I decided to wade in a little until the liquid was just a little above my ankles. My spacesuit could more than handle that, I knew, although I wasn't keen to go swimming in it and test its limits. The surface of the mare rippled as I stepped in. I stared out into the mare for a minute or two, and suddenly my eyes caught something off in the distance. A smooth, shining white object was moving rapidly through the water. As I stared, it began to rise above the surface the waves created by its motion dwarfing the much smaller ones that were already present on the mare, and I quickly realized that it was a living being of some sort. It was bulbous and appeared almost gelatinous in texture, although it was hard to tell, and it propelled itself through the mare using what looked like long tentacles with flippers on the end. It had six eyes that I could tell were fixed directly on me, and below them was a long, thin line. The being sped toward me with alarming speed, and I quickly backed away from the water. It was obviously aquatic, but its physiology was so bizarre that I had no way of knowing whether or not it would somehow be able to follow me onto land, so I began moving sideways back in the direction of my rover, although I was well aware that I would not be able to break into an all-out run very easily if it began chasing me. I didn't take my eyes off the creature as I moved and it stopped perhaps ten meters from the shore, still glaring at me and bobbing in place, its long limbs still wriggling and twitching. Then it began following me, keeping pace with me as I moved, and I was torn between horror at this and relief at the fact that it did not appear to be capable of pursuing me outside the mare. The walk back to the rover was long. I never tore my eyes from the thing for more than a few seconds and then only to avoid stumbling over rocks, and I had some time to study its features more closely. The line I had observed beneath its eyes appeared to be a crack dividing an upper part of the beast from a much smaller lower one, and I saw the two pieces move apart and back together again as it moved. I can only assume the gap was its mouth, and although I never saw it open its maw all the way, it surely could have swallowed me whole had it gotten close enough to me. Its eyes were huge and inky black, but I could tell they were eyes, and I could tell they were fixed on me. Its long, slender limbs looked like pale white worms whose heads had been flattened. I regret that I did not have a camera or any means of capturing evidence of the creature, 
but I know that I will never forget the sight of it. I made it back to the rover after a few minutes of walking, and as soon as I began to clamber inside, the creature turned and retreated deeper into the mare. It sank, and soon vanished entirely, leaving nary a ripple. I waited a few minutes to see if it would resurface, but it did not, and so, thoroughly frightened, I turned and began to drive home. I don't know what the creature wanted with me that day, but I am eternally glad that I moved out of the mare before it got to me, although I question whether or not it could have gotten to me in the shallow area I was standing in. I have speculated that it simply became territorial upon noticing me, or that it was hungry and descended upon me to satisfy a ravenous appetite. I know many others have seen the beast, but no one has yet added its existence to the scientific record. Others are planning expeditions to hunt it down, and I understand why they want to capture evidence of the thing. But as for me, next time I have time off work and want to spend it exploring outside, I think I'll stick to the mountains and plains. This episode was sponsored by Like Home, a meal preparation and delivery service located in the Inland Empire in Southern California. Like Home provides fully customized and tailored home-cooked meals, while promoting the importance of balanced nutrition and healthy eating. It's run by a friend of mine, and having personally ordered a meal from it for myself and my family, I can say that their food and service are absolutely exquisite, as my whole family agreed. The quality you can get from them is unbelievable, and their pricing was more than reasonable when I ordered. Unfortunately, Lycombe will be closing at the end of April 2022 in preparation for a move to Arkansas, so if you live in the Inland Empire region of Southern California, don't wait. Go order a meal now. You won't regret it. You can find a link to their Instagram account in the description below. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space Age Folk Tales. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and a review. Be sure to check out our social media accounts, which are linked in the description. Also be sure to check the description to see where I got the sound effects and music I used in this episode. Thanks again. <laughs>